Welcome back to the EG Way podcast from EG's offices here, broadcasting live and direct from uh, Ipswich and uh, the Princess Street Studios, which are a large glass-walled building. If you're looking on the internet, you may have seen us here before. We're all, we'll wave to the camera and say hi. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at EG, that's at I-J-Y-I-L-T-D, EG Limited. Come and find us. Joining us today, Justin Granger, our CFO. Good morning. Chief Technical Officer, John Nicholson. Hi. There we are. We're clapping. We're yeah. clapping again. Alan Jackson, Chief Operating Officer, is here. Okay, I should point out that waving on a podcast doesn't work. No, sorry. Yes. <laughs> you see, he's he's all about. He's so chief operations officer. He's all about the video. Uh, that's that's it's, what it, it's that's, all about efficiency. Yeah, there you go. It's uh, visual communication. Sorry, UX. We should have included that. Um, and finally, uh, but certainly, last but not least, I should say Chris Pond, CEO and co-founder. Good morning. There we go. Okay, let's get started and taking taking up where we last uh, where we left off. Um, we were talking about... We, we love posting those. Got to run on posting. Yeah. Right? That, that's very cool. <laughs> You've got all the hallmarks of a funky tech startup, but you don't immediately think of Ipswich when you think of funky tech startups. You kind of think a little bit London, Shoreditch, Silicon Roundabout, as they call it. So what made you choose Ipswich as your base? Um, well, I think... London's really saturated in in sort of similar agencies that do do, do things similar to what we do. Um, Ipswich really, um, as well as being close to where me and John lived, um, it, it was also sort of being able to um, make use of the local talent. And there's 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 a lot of people who uh, are often getting on the train j- just near our office and um, commuting into London every day, spending a couple of hours if if they're lucky. Um, you know, along with the rat race, getting into into the city, um, and we wanted to give people an alternative. Really, you know, once they'd got some experience, once they'd um, you know got fed up of that commute um, and wanted to settle down, we could provide them with you know a, a decent job and a, a great culture to work in. We should be doing it. There is a, a challenge, isn't there, in the the business? software that people often solutioneer. I've heard this word solutioneering quite a lot, where mm. the thing that worked last time, people think that's got to work this time. Yeah. Whereas your philosophy is much more about loving the problem. It's actually uh, running a discovery sprint or a, a rapid prototyping sprint where you get everyone around the table, uh, including the clients, and actually get them to explain uh, more about their circumstances so you can really pick problems apart yeah I mean we we have a a technique which we offer to our clients which is a um, five-day workshop um, which is it's it was developed by Google in the Google sort of in their um, investment sort of incubator um, to help startup companies overcome um, specific problems that might be stopping them really achieving what they want to achieve so it's a five-day process which is design-focused and is um, there to solve a specific issue that somebody might have. So if a customer, for example, is unsure why a certain user um, group in their, um, in their environment is not using their product as they want it to, they say, why aren't doctors taking up you know, our medical insurance platform? Why aren't they doing that? You can use a sprint to um, get into um, how to redesign your product 
um, to engage that user group. And the great thing about a sprint is because it's five days, it's a, it's a minimal investment, um, you get a working prototype out of it and that prototype is tested against the users that you care about. And that all happens in five days. So you you commit some expertise from your side, a vendor like uh, EG will facilitate and commit some expertise from our side to help build that prototype. And then we get some users together and you find out whether the idea that you have and the way you want to go forward is um, is a good one or not. And you obviously find that out in five days rather than the typical life cycle of a decision like that, which might be several months. Um, so the investment is an excellent one in terms of um, ROI for, for someone trying to make that decision. And the great thing is our, our clients love being part of these. You know, it's, it's exciting. It's very, very structured um, and, and very full on. But at, at the end of the week, they've got some working software, they've got some feedback, um, you know, something ready to take to an investment committee or, or an investor. Um, and, you know, it, it's a great process to be part of. You know, um, you definitely need the pub at the end of the week, uh, you know, once the process is complete. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's quite a, a, a heavy week, but, you know, it's great to be part of. Yeah, I mean, we didn't come up with this. You know, this is a tried and tested process that Google developed over many years you know we we get to benefit and our customers get to benefit from their failures their trials and tribulations and as chris said it's extremely structured down to the hour you know you know what you're going to do every hour of every day and everything drives um in a very tried tested way towards that outcome of a user tested idea which is hugely valuable This goes back to those Agile manifesto first principles, right? Is it uh, working software over documentation? documentation. Yeah. yeah. And that's not to say there's no documentation, right? It's yeah. just you prioritize the software. Yeah. I, I think that's very much part of um, what, what people make a mistake of when they think of the Agile manifesto is they say, well, you've got documentation. You shouldn't have documentation because you're running Scrum or you're running Agile processes. And it, what, it, what it says is it's, it's not saying we don't have documentation. It's not saying we don't have contracts. It's saying we prefer working software over those other things. So you know, if it's one over the other, we, we, we choose the, uh, the one that offers the most benefit and the most value to the customer. Yeah, and also I suppose it's the fail early, fail fast approach. Yes. Sprints are really interesting because often the barrier to um, signing up with you know, collaboration with EG might be from the finance director. So, um, you know, because bespoke software is a big investment often. Um, and it means sometimes if there's a sprint involved, I can talk you know, finance director to finance director um, and say, look, there's a limited budget you need to spend here and you will have something at the end of the day here that you can, you know, justify the spend. We can really show that you will make the return on investment if you make the bigger investment off the back of this. It really does help overcome that nervousness it's it's an interesting process anyway i mean it's the funny thing that came across when i first got involved with it that it is absolutely not a democracy so this isn't a bunch of people sat around in a room having a big sort of um you know blue sky thinking session and and all deciding that they they agree on things like this there's one person in the room who'll be the person who has the most to gain or to lose from that from that decision and they will get to decide what happens so everyone will put their ideas forward everyone votes everyone goes through this happy sort of you know collaborative approach and then you turn to that decision maker and you say what do you want to do and they can do whatever they like so they 
can just disregard everything that's been voted for and do what they want. And that might sound sort of horrendous, but it, it actually makes a huge amount of sense because the chances are if they don't agree on the Wednesday of that week, you're going to go through, you're going to build the thing everybody thinks you should have, you're going to use a test it, and then the Wednesday of the following week, that person's just going to go, nah, I'm going to do what I wanted to do anyway. And that will happen. Um, so what you've lost at that point is the ability to test the idea that was going to get implemented regardless. Yeah. Um, so you may as well front up to that fact during the process. You let that person who ultimately um, is responsible or accountable for the decision make the decision and you get that user testing done. Because the when that decision's made a week after, that's going through that three-month cycle of finding out. That's going to live. So that's a big waste of money. And nobody wants to spend tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of budget uh, to find out something doesn't work. Absolutely, yeah. So this way, um, ego's depending. <laughs> you get, within five days, a pretty good independent um, assessment of your idea. And you also, as Justin said, get a working prototype, which is not a couple of sheets of paper with a scroll on it. This will be a sort of an InVision or a, um, a clickable prototype on a mobile phone, a website, it could be mock-ups of a magazine, you know, a marketing campaign. Whatever we decide is, or you decide, is the right thing that you want to test. There is a, a, another statistic that sort of comes out every year. There's another survey that says that something like two-thirds of all the features in software packages never get touched. They, they, they never get used by the user. And this, is, this has been around since I started working in software myself, which was in the 1990-something. Uh, I'll just gloss over that bit. Uh, it was a long time ago. So... Is the, the whole point here of the rapid prototyping to try and develop software that gets used more fully, or is it just a question of weaning out those features that people don't want? Yeah, I mean, most agile methodologies, actually, rather than the sprint as such, um, the agile methodologies like Scrum are um, based on... Uh, prioritizing the list of requirements but by fixing the amount of time and budget you're forced to make choices about which of those requirements actually really need to be built you tend to be end up in a situation where uh, most clients will prioritize say 70 percent of their list of requirements absolute must-haves and even at that half of it's not going to get used but at least you're better than a hundred percent being must-have so you go 70 percent and then you, you commit to building those and your time and your budget's based around those um, and of course, the other paradigm that's sort of addressed is that at the beginning, they write that list of 70% of the requirements and they prioritize them. But actually, it's impossible for anybody to know exactly what they want this thing to do. So the Agile process, uh, the Scrum process, again, um, gives regular opportunities to revisit your prioritization. So you can keep shuffling things around that list, keep adding things in, but you keep the time and the budget exactly where it is. And um, at the end of it, you will have, because you, you would have been forced to choose, you will have the features that you need. And um, there's just no room to have any more than that. Yeah, and this is oft, often where our clients find, find the most value, is, is that when they come up with that new must-have feature halfway through development, and, and they say they have to absolutely have that new feature, um, we can say to them, we can have that conversation and say, okay, how about you know the items that you, you 
thought were nice to have at the beginning, how about we swap them out for this new must-have feature? Obviously, that's dependent on how big each of those those things is, but um, you know, often that means that we don't really have to have that time and cost conversation with them. We can we can simply swap out features, and they they get more benefit from what we're building for them. And that's staying true to the Agile manifest. So it seems like a natural thing that actually scopes can change mm. but your goal and the budget and those difficult things that are hard to move they don't have to change yeah i mean once once software goes into a development cycle and once people start to see something appearing in front of their eyes and we're we're running demos for customers every two weeks um once they see that software developing they often come up with new ideas or, or new ways of, of achieving the same goal um you know new features and, and so, you know, it's natural that they're going to want different things as that progresses. And that's where the benefit of Scrum is. You know, with the waterfall process, you know, everything's d designed up front. You know, it's locked down and, um, you know, very rarely able to make those adjustments. Whereas Scrum, it's a lot more collaborative. There's a lot more benefit to the, to the end, end customer. And, and it, again, it's de delivering that value to, to our clients. So let's look forwards. So it's five years now for EG. Five years from now, what are your predictions about where software is going to be? Where's Agile going to be? Is everyone going to be DevOps? Are we all going to be mobile? Is it going to be augmented reality or bust? Uh, is the omni-channel world coming through? Because, you know, I'll be honest with you, I live out in the countryside, uh, not that far from here, but... I, I still can't get decent internet connection in my house. So <laughs> where are we going to be five years from now? For me, I want 12 megs. That's all I want, 12 megs um, of broadband. Alan? Um, well, I, I'll sort of talk about what I know. So in terms of where we'll be in five years, I can talk about the principles that will go behind software delivery. And as dull as it sounds, I don't think the core principles that we implement will have changed too much. I think, you know, the honesty, the collaboration, time boxing, controlling, you know, focusing on controlling the time of the budget and delivering business value is just, it's just obvious when you sort of actually look at it. So I can't see that changing. I think the things that will make my job easier and the developer's job easier will be the tooling that's available. I think some of the processes that are manual and a bit of a pain in the neck will become easier. I think um, technologies like containerization and, um, and that kind of thing will become more commonplace and more familiar and, and just make life easier in terms of the, the boring stuff, you know, deploying code, releasing, maintaining environments, the dull stuff that gets in the way. So I think the tooling will get better and I think that's what will make things easier. And I think developers will have more exposure to it by then so they'll, it will become just part of our standard toolbox of what a developer does. Um, but the basic principles, they can't, they won't change. They, they haven't changed really, so. Okay, Chris, five years from now, where are you? Yeah, I th well, coming back to the technology, I think um, you know, it, it's an incredibly exciting time. Um, you know, the technology is very much commoditized, and so you know, ev everything's moving into the cloud. Ev everything's um, software as a service, platform as a service, infrastructure as a service. And so that gives some massive agility to organizations who, who need to innovate. Um, so... I think you know the, the demand for our services is only only, only going to go up over the next five years. I think um, organisations need to innovate. They need to keep their customers happy. They need to keep ahead of the competition, 
and and they can gain a massive amount of benefit from having um, you know self-service applications that allow their customers to get answers when they need to you know at, at one in the morning sitting downstairs in their, their boxer shorts you know rather than have to sit in a queue on a on a helpline and, and, and wait for somebody to speak to them so um, yeah I think it's an exciting time to be in tech I think there's loads out there there's huge amounts of scope for what can be done with the current set of technology and that's only going to get better over the next five years and presumably that means that people aren't going to be investing in whole floors of data centers like they used to or having that covered mm. at work if you're a small business which is full of computers that's very hot and no one wants to go in there because it's it's full of wires and lights and you're terrified you unplug something and you can't fix it yeah i mean unfortunately justin's justin's now left the room otherwise he'd be able to talk to you about uh, capex over opex etc and you know not having to invest in technology that goes out of date over you know a two three year period but um yeah, it, it means that the expertise for maintaining those systems is with Amazon, it's with Microsoft and, and those sort of companies uh, who are very, very good at what they do there. They invest an incredible amount of technology into that. Um, and, and therefore, you know, IT teams can concentrate on, on, on what they're best at, which is to innovate and deliver software. Okay, John, five years from now. Well, I, I can answer your question about better than 12 meg. It will be there. <laughs> Um, with the rollout of 5G that's happening this year, there's there's a transformation coming in that space. Um, but that's really important for what the future of technology and software as a whole. We've already seen um, the ubiquitous nature of apps expanding and moving further. So a large portion of internet access now is purely off a tablet or a mobile phone. Five years ago, that wasn't the case. Most of it was off desktops. We, we're seeing a transformation in how people are interacting and using information, and that is going to be affecting companies. Um, some for the better, some for the worse. Um, the uh, way that I can see this moving forward, though, is there's going to be a greater demand and emphasis put on quality and test, whatever happens. Um, the reason for that is the way we've moved now is to lots and lots of interconnected interdependent systems before we would have a large application we talked about a large big bang erp implementation that large application would do everything and it had its faults but it was one thing that an organization could understand and test what we've moved to and uh there's large numbers of uh, energy companies or retailers as a great example they have a well-known CRM in place. They have their own pieces of software hanging off that. They have their own operational systems hanging off that. They're interconnected and wholly interdependent. And that's created a, and creating a new interesting problem that needs to be solved. I think tying that all back into where we think EG will be in the next five years. Um, I think, you know, our, our team's expanding. It's always, it's, it's been expanding for the last five years. But I think as that team grows, it gives us greater flexibility to manage resource across projects, but also um, the ability to have experts in given fields. Um, you know, with a small team, you have to have a lot of generalists, whereas as the team gets bigger, you, you can afford to have people who specialize in data ops, people who specialize in things like AI, people who specialize in containerization. So, you know, that gives us the ability to, to have those experts available and to share them across different projects as and when they're needed, deploy that resource um, you know, effectively, and that gives our customers a huge amount of benefit. 
obviously it is a live working day here. Um, but we're going to be back for more of the EG Way. Keep watching the website for the new podcast coming out. Keep watching the social media feeds on Twitter at I-J-Y-I-L-T-D. I mean, you knew what the LTD was. Sorry. <laughs> okay, just the EG. Remember, because everything we do is a great example. And we'll see you next time on the EG Way. Thank you.